0: Just understanding the lanes and uh, the strengths and weaknesses and the reasons why each is in its place has opened up my eyes uh, in a big way. All the other companies I've been involved in, I founded most of them and they were much smaller and I realized... The limitations of those were because I didn't have this structure in place. So it's kind of opened up my eyes. I wish I would have known this, you know, 15, 20 years ago when I was doing some other businesses that were, but it really just clicked with this one. And we've been able to scale it a lot quicker than in previous businesses I've been involved in.
1: Welcome to the Second in Command podcast produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now here's your host, Cameron Harold. All right, so today we've got COO Alliance member, Randy Bonds from Venturi, He is on the podcast and he's going to be talking to us about um, moving from the CEO role into the COO role. He's played the entrepreneur role before and is now the COO of his company. Also about changing his focus as an adult and what he is now really focused on more in life um, as he's kind of gained the wisdom of time and how he actually works on work-life balance, talking about clear metrics inside of the organization and keeping focused. Also how he's had to grow as a leader and stay fairly operational as they've scaled up the company. You're going to love the podcast. See you on the inside. You can also check it out on our YouTube channel, the second in command podcast on YouTube as well. So, Hey, Randy, welcome to the second in command podcast. Well, thank you, Cameron. It's
0: uh, absolutely wonderful to meet you and I appreciate this, uh, this opportunity for sure.
1: Yeah, looking forward to um, to learning from you and then also looking forward to, to um, hanging out with you over the next three days as well. You're actually attending our COO Connect event, which is one of our COO Alliance events, which actually starts later today. So we're going to get to hang out for the next two and a half days together in Scottsdale, Arizona, which is going to be fun.
0: Absolutely great timing. And uh, this, uh, this property is beautiful. I just arrived last night, so definitely looking forward to meeting you in person and definitely some of the other, other members. So.
1: Yeah, Mountain Shadows is a great property. Wait till you hear where we're doing the September event. We're hosting it at an MIT offsite uh, in Boston, Massachusetts called Endicott House. It's where um, I've taught there 17 times. So we're going to be, I'll tell you about that later this week. Let's start by why don't you actually tell me why, what was it about the COO Alliance that had you join? What was it you were looking for and and hoping to, I guess, continue to grow in your career?
0: Yeah, I I definitely appreciate answering that. So I guess it goes back probably four years or so. I started listening to your podcasts and I found it pretty fascinating. And about three years ago, I was presented with this opportunity to work for um, this company that I'm with now. I'm actually a partner at the company of Venturi. And it was not a position that I was used to having. I I had always uh, been kind of the uh, the CEO and COO in other companies that I have founded and and started. So when I was approached to take on this, this role, if you will, I didn't know a lot about it. Um, and I was searching the internet, uh, found the CEO Alliance, some of the podcasts and, and started listening to it a lot. I said, this is awesome. So, um, fast forward a few years, we, we took this, this business and we were able to get it to what, what I guess the, the threshold was for becoming a member. So it was a, it was a pretty big, uh, long, path of me accomplishing. So, uh, just to give you the background. Yeah. I listened to the podcast, uh, loved uh, what you were teaching and how you were teaching it, and we were able to kind of hit those threshold revenue paths that you, you said, and here we are. So I just, uh, joined about, I want to say five, six
1: months ago. Nice. Well, welcome. Glad to have you. Have you, um, by the way, if, if you haven't read it yet, take a look at the book that I just launched two months ago called the second in command. It will give you. Oh, there you go. So you got a copy already. Yeah. It's got some really interesting insights. Um, more when, Once you're a COO already, it's about building the relationship with the CEO and working and collaborating with the CEO. So why don't you talk about that for a second as to how do you and the CEO work together and collaborate and you know, stay on the same page?
0: Yeah. So Brooke Fouts is the CEO. Uh, he started the company I was able to meet him and join the company right away. Um, it was just brand new, um, kind of at the visionary standpoint. Uh, we had both built a number of companies in, the, in our you know, previous uh, work life. And we knew also some certain parameters of foundational operations that we wanted to, to stay and we agreed upon. And one of those was EOS. We knew um, at the beginning that bo- both of us really Agreed and appreciated that business model, um, and then we also knew our strengths, um, where we were going to excel on, where our roles were going to, you know, fall in place with. So we were able to get that clarity from day one, which I think was such a tremendous help. Um, and we just have—I uh, have tremendous respect for him. Hopefully, he to me, but we get along really well, and we have a, a great relationship in the business and out of the business as well. So.
1: I love it. And EOS, for those who don't know, is the entrepreneurial operating system. It was Gino Wickman who wrote the book Traction, where he rolled that out. What was it in in EOS that you both tended to resonate with? What were part of the systems in there that you really liked? I think just having that operating system for business. I think
0: there's so many that don't. And just the cadences of, of certain aspects made a lot of sense to both of us. Um, we used it in the past, uh, just having... You know that organizational structure, because we're 100% virtual as well, is so critically important that we we knew if we set that tone and standard from the get-go that we would be able to scale it a lot quicker, more efficiently, build a better team. And I definitely would not. There's a few things that I probably would never build a business without. um, At least in my mind, an EOS would be definitely one of them. We we find a lot of value in it.
1: Yeah, I do as well. I, I've, I've told so many companies to use EOS. I think it's an amazing starting point for anybody to, to, as you put it, to just to have an operating system, right? Some way to actually build a business and, and control. So you mentioned that, that you and Brooks have, you know, different strengths. Was that part of you coming in? Did he already know what his strengths and weaknesses were? And was he looking for that yin and yang, that kind of counterpart to his weaknesses? Or did you did you start to uncover those after you were already there working with him?
0: Yeah, we, we definitely had that clarity before I actually had a different company. When I met Brooke, I had a digital marketing agency in the industry. And he was lacking the operational structure, um, tremendous visionary guy, just really well known, well-spoken in the industry. And when we just met, it just clicked and he thought, uh, you need to come over and, and help me do the, the operations of the company. He was seeing what I was doing in other companies. Um, so the clarity was set right from get go. He was going to be the visionary. I was going to be the integrator. And uh, we are able to stay the course just so much easier with that. Uh, again, from, from the ground up, this was almost since we just had one or maybe a few clients. Of course, we started this company right before COVID hit. So we we took a, a huge hit there um, with the initial launch of this this company. Thankfully, it was short lived, and we were able to scale it up pretty quickly during um, those years of COVID. But uh, we did have that clarity from the from the get go.
1: And why don't you tell us about what what Venturi is, and then how did you and Brooke uh, meet each other, and, and what was it? Uh, this is going to be a three part question. So, what is Venturi? How did you and Brooke meet? And then what was it about Venturi that had you want to join them and kind of leave being an entrepreneur and join them as a company? And what was it about you that had uh, Brooke want to bring you in as his second in command? Okay, I'll try to remember all that.
0: Okay, so Venturi, we both have been in the vacation rental business or industry for me about 18 years, Brooke, maybe 15 to 16 years or so, so quite a while. And we knew there was a need. Uh, his vision for starting the company was there was nobody that specialized in helping property management companies. So those that actually manage short-term rentals, um, and we're actually in long-term rentals a little bit now too. But those, there was nobody that helped them grow. One of the hardest part about a vacation rental property manager is actually finding inventory to manage. So he had this vision, and he had created a business in the past where he was able to scale. A property management company from zero all the way up to 500 units in five years which ended up being the you know the title to a lot of the, the, the talks and the books that he did and it was uh it was a scalable business that he created and he replicated that model um, so we took that that vision and we've created a business model to help them empower professional vacation rental companies with the technology, the expertise, the education, and community they need just to grow their their business, their inventory. And we started it out as a marketing agency, um, just a strictly marketing agency. It was very manual. And we knew at the beginning that we wanted to uh, build a, a SaaS platform for um, making that a little bit more automated. So about after year one, we started building uh, that SaaS platform model. And now we've launched it and we just uh, are releasing our third iteration of that. And it's proven just extremely beneficial. So now we have a lot of these marketing processes that can be done um, with more scalable models um, where it's not so manual anymore.
1: And then for you, what was it that had you want to join them? And what was it that had Brooke want to bring you on as a COO? Yeah, it was an
0: interesting story. So go back about three and a half years, I listened to Brooks speak at a, a conference thing, And I just thought, wow, how did nobody think of this? It's one of those things like how I've been in this industry this long and how I did not think of this business model. So he, he spoke at one of the big conferences called uh, RMA. And I was friends with another gentleman called Matt Landau. And he was starting a program, an educational program. And We were talking about having me come in and do a digital marketing class and he said here listen to this guy brooke my friend brooke um he just did the first one i want you to do the the follow-up of this so i listened to i said this guy's smart and i reached out to him uh through linkedin and we we talked and i said this is a wonderful business model and we just we hit it off i traveled down met him in person in florida on an on-site and we were with each other for 48 hours. He said, "Listen, I want you to come on, be my business partner, my COO." And I was like, "Whoa, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know about that. I have my own company." But we we kept in touch, and over the next month, it just made sense. We just really clicked, and I sold that digital marketing company, joined forces with him, and we have a third partner, uh, Brian Riggs, as well, who leads up our BD department. And um, it was very fast. It was uh, probably a one to two month process. We just knew that we worked really well together. Uh, shared the same vision, and we uh, complemented each other's uh, you know weakness area, so it was just a, a kind of a match made in heaven, if you will.
1: so leaving you you've been the entrepreneur before, kind of CEO before. what do you see as the big differences between being kind of an entrepreneur and being a second in command? How do you need to show up differently? How do you operate differently as that leader? You know what are the big differences there? It is quite a bit different. Um, just understanding
0: the lanes and uh, the strengths and weaknesses, and the reasons why each is in its place has opened up my eyes uh, in a big way. Um, all the other companies I've been involved in, I uh, founded most of them and they were much smaller. And I realized the limitations of those were because I didn't have this structure in place. So it's kind of opened up my eyes. I wish I would have known this you know, 15, 20 years ago when I was doing some other businesses that were, you know, had big potential. Um, but it really just uh clicked with this one and it's uh it's it, we've been able to scale it a lot quicker than in previous businesses i've been involved in
1: and do you think that there's like some day-to-day things like what 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 specific things are are so different
0: well i'm no longer kind of that face of the company i stay much more behind the scenes and that took a while still takes a little bit for me to get used to so I work heavily with uh, team, uh, you know, leadership growth within. Uh, There's, I don't do a lot of Facetime in the industry. Every once in a while, I'll I'll speak and do some things, but not not as much as I used to. Um, I'm not as involved in just that bigger picture of the business, and and that's fine. I've realized that he is much stronger than I I am, and and it's wonderful. Um, It actually lets me focus on more operational efficiencies, SOPs, and and I really love working with. our directors, where I'm able to work with them in the leadership roles and work with them, and it's it's much better, in my opinion.
1: It's interesting that when I when I look at um, when I was pulling the content together for the book, the second in command. One of the things that I identified was that about 30% of COOs are very outward facing. Business development might do speaking events for the company, might do press for the company. I was one of those very outward facing COOs, and then 70% are not. In fact, the new COO for 1-800-GOT-JUNK, he's been their COO for the last 10 years. He's taken them from the 100 million to 450 million. He never speaks to the media. He never does speaking events for the media. He is so inward facing, operationally focused, professional, and I've known him for 35 years. I had to beg Eric to contribute to my book and I had to leverage our personal friendship. um, And he did, which was amazing. He's a very inward facing COO. So it's interesting that you've, you've kind of seen that as, brooks is stronger in that area than you are or i've decided to take a back seat from that that's something that that sounds like you guys have navigated really well have are there any parts of the ceo coo relationship that you've not navigated well or that you've had a couple of hiccups you know over the uh the three years that you've been there
0: yeah i mean there's been a probably a few little minor things but i mean extremely minor um we i don't know if it's something to do with our age i mean If you were to ask me this, you know, 20 years ago, I would not have had the same wisdom and, I guess, peace of mind to understand how to navigate that without, uh, you know, certain barriers. But we have learned to do that very, very well. So even if we disagree on things, there's never like an elevation of tone. There's never, you know, a major blowout fight. I mean, there's respect. We understand that I may have an opinion. Brooke may have an opinion. And we come to the best solutions. If we can't, then you know we I, I give him the respect that he he does the final decision making. But we we really have had it's hard to believe after even three three and a half years of working together that we've had very very minimal conflict, which is weird. <laughs> I, I would not have been that way when I was younger.
1: Well, maybe you'll get to have someone the company continues to grow. <laughs> maybe maybe <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's a wisdom in that as well. Now you, you kind of mentioned that you wouldn't have had that when you were younger. You mentioned to me earlier before we went live that you as kind of a a business leader have had a priority shift in your life. And and some of that is around, you know, work life balance and youth. And can you walk us through where some of those shifts have occurred and and kind of what some of your focuses are now and and why you've had them?
0: Yeah, I think it, it really goes back to when I was young, I, I grew up in a fairly lower class income family so i had a extreme drive for entrepreneurship when i was very very young i mean it was almost ridiculous when i was i was working since i probably been seven or eight years old on and i was able to have the opportunity to be involved in creating you know about six different companies and i was hyper focused on that only that so i would neglect these other areas of my life thankfully i was able, by the time I was in my mid thirties, I I got married, I have three children, that significant impact in my mid thirties. And I was able to have a couple of uh, exits out of companies. It just set me up with a different, different focus. I still have a passion, a a big passion for entrepreneurship, but the family unit has caused me to shift priorities, uh, try to find a better balance of those priorities. So I try to, I, I mean, I love creating memories with my family. Uh, with my children, with my wife. Uh, so I just have found a better, better balance and in, in focus in that sense. If that, make, if, if that makes sense.
1: Well, and, and it's, it's funny. I mean, at the end of the day, none of this shit actually matters. We're all going to die. True. That, you know, we're only doing this to make money. So have you brought that same mindset and, and um, I guess healthy balance around work-life integration or work-life balance? Have you brought that into your your team, like your direct reports. Do you, do you talk to them about that as well? Or do you just kind of, you know, exhibit that, do, do they notice it or do you talk about it with them as well? I think
0: they do notice it and I bring it in, in a big way, um, because we, we start the hiring process with me wanting to know what they want to achieve in their one, three and five year goal or beyond personally, not, not work related, personally related. So we, we speak about that all the time and you can tell the difference so much in a company by bringing that into the mix Um, we we spend a lot of time on our you know directors meetings where we format that similar to a a level 10 meeting Um, but we always start out with how are you doing in your personal life in comparison to your work life we score that every month and we develop we see trends and everybody's able to kind of understand how to utilize those trends to make them feel better maybe they need help over here maybe they need more help with uh educating themselves about work but if their life balance is weak it, it's always coming into that work so we we speak about that all the time
1: well i think i think you're gonna uh have your mind blown and your heart blown open over the next two and a half days because the the <laughs> i i have a really good friend of mine joe polish runs an event called the genius network for entrepreneurs and he always says that you sell them what they want but you give them what they need and uh, for this event, I didn't tell any of our members what we were really covering, but we're going deep and we're going inward. And uh, the, the three speakers, Don Dapani is a former monk, who is an incredible speaker. And then we have Chip Connolly, who built and sold the Joy de Vivre hotel chain to Hilton, and Chip runs the Modern Elder Academy. Chip is a very heart-centered leader, Uh, And then we have um, Warren Rustand, who when you see him speak on Friday, he will literally blow your mind. Warren and I have seen each other speak about four or five times. He's like this 80-year-old former billionaire, has built and sold two billion dollar companies, was an advisor to a president, has six kids, happily married for 60 years. You're going to walk in there thinking that you've got your shit together and you're going to walk out feeling like a shell of a human being. (laughs) So good and inspired at the same time, which is really great. But it, what's interesting about this is I like none of the content that we're going to cover for two and a half days is business, 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 but it's going to have massive impacts on our business because we're going to show up as better leaders, right? Leading ourselves, leading others, leading up. Hey, it's Cameron. Did you hear? That's right. I wrote another book, but this book isn't just another book for me. It's actually for you the visionary CEO that is looking to grow and scale their business. This book is called The Second in Command, Unleash the Power of Your COO. As a founder and CEO, you're used to making all the decisions, but the business you have isn't the one you envision. Heck, we've all been there. And the thing is, you know what you need. You need a COO, someone who can help you build the company you don't know how to build on your own. The Second in Command is your go-to guidebook when you're ready to scale up. I go through all the details in every aspect of the process, from knowing when you need to hire a COO, through identifying and hiring the right candidate, and successfully onboarding and working with them, and so much more. Go to CameronHerald.com forward slash new book to get your copy today. The second command reveals the benefits COOs bring to companies and explores the many ways a COO mastermind or a COO forum can help grow the COO skills. You'll meet the types of COOs and understand the role each type plays, discover how to bring on a COO into your company with the least disruption, and avoid common problems before they arrive. Once again, it's CameronHerald.com forward slash new book to grab your copy today. There's no need to go it alone. We're in this together. Now back to the show. What's your thoughts around leading teams and leading people and and you know your direct reports, do you have kind of mindsets or focuses with them at all?
0: yeah, we do. I mean we do all kinds of uh, i mean I, i'm I don't really think about myself. I'm just kind of a guidance we 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 all participate, collaborate um we we do just a lot of team activities and drills, and we've become very good friends as well. Uh, there's a tremendous amount of respect in my my teams, and I don't just stop it at the at the directors levels I mean I I get to know every single person on our team which is about 50 now and that to me is where it's all at if we if we take care of them we educate them we're helping them achieve their goals uh everything else is really taking care of itself that that's kind of the business foundation model to me I mean business operations I mean they're you can kind of repeat those but when it comes to people that that's the toughest thing if you treat them right you build that team right everything else will kind of fall in place uh well for a, a team every, every time i mean mm-hmm. to me that's where the the focus is so
1: how about for yourself as a leader is there any areas that you're focusing on growing any focus? you know any areas that you're focusing on getting better at uh,
0: absolutely i well i'm always doing that um i i <laughs> you know like i was mentioning three years ago i was just kind of pushed into this role as a ceo so it's been almost a whole new learning experience for me. So here with this uh, COO Alliance group that we're in now is critically important for my growth. I do not find myself a tremendous leader at all. Um, I am learning at the same pace as everybody else in my company. I read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of books. I you know, need to be a part of these mastermind programs because they, I, I get so much in just the, the few months that I've been here and the few people that I've met. I'm just always blown away by how people, what, how they operate companies, what they do. There's a lot for me to learn. The older I get, the more I realize I don't know hardly anything. So it's, it's extremely important
1: for me. Been there for sure. Um, talk about, about Venturi. How has the company changed in the three and a half years you've been there? And how have you had to adapt or has the company had to adapt?
0: Yeah, we've had some pretty significant pivots, if you will. So going back to... What we started with is it was a digital marketing agency, very, very manual intensive. Shifting from a digital marketing agency to a SaaS platform, I don't think I would have ever realized the complexity of that. It has been through a few different iterations, and it's very challenging because we're always dealing with legacy processes and partners uh, to new processes and partners and how you bring those up, working together, and, and still keep the team... Uh, in a certain parameter of bandwidth has been very, very challenging. So those type of pivots to me, and I ask a lot of the, the other COOs, the other members here, how they do that, how they handle those process changes, those big, giant pivots, because that's where we, we have struggled with and we're getting better at it. But it is, uh, it's been really complicated moving from that managed service, a more digital marketing agency to a, a SaaS platform.
1: And were there a lot of layoffs in that pivot as well? I mean, that's a pretty substantial change for the business. No,
0: we've had very little um, layoffs. Uh, In COVID was the only time that we did a light one. And it was for such a short period of time because we were just all the uncertainties. We just didn't know what what was going to happen. And if we would have known it was going to come back with such fierce violence, we wouldn't have had any layoffs. So we've had, uh, had to do very little work. I'm constantly hiring even now. Um, so we we've been uh, thankfully blessed with the path upward and we haven't had to go to do, go downward.
1: But how is that so like to be a marketing agency to flip over to what you're doing? It seems like it is a completely different business.
0: Yeah, well, we we still do have those managed service divisions, but with the growth, we've been able to hire with the new product needs. So hiring a you know, the developers and and then teaching uh, the product team how to, how to manage that. We've been able to hire with the growth more so, and we haven't had to remove uh, some of those managed services or the expertise because we've been able to utilize their minds to integrate their expertise into the software, and we still need to have them on for creating the scalable pro- uh, products that we have, if that makes sense. We have a lot of different layers that our product does and we still need all those uh, brilliant minds. We just need to figure out how to scale them through product.
1: You mentioned kind of being involved in masterminds, like you're involved in the CEO Alliance. Uh, is your CEO involved in any of the mastermind communities? And if so, which ones and, and what others are you involved in? Yeah, he is in uh,
0: EO. Uh, he was in YPO. And I, we actually run um, with our company a number of different masterminds as well for our partners, which is interesting. Um, it helps us kind of stay aligned and get focused with our our uh, partners as well so we have probably a dozen masterminds that we run i right now personally and only in the this one the ceo alliance mastermind program i i just time wise it's it's the one i want to really stay focused on learning from i have been in a number of different programs in the past but i have never been in eo although i should have been but i have not
1: yeah the entrepreneurs organization was my very first mastermind community that i was ever in I was a member from 1995 to 2000 and while i was a member one of the guys in my forum group had this rubbish removal company called the rubbish boys and he was building it up and he wanted to um, to kind of franchise it and i said you can never franchise junk removal you're crazy and he said well i'm gonna do it anyway so i helped him hire his first full-time employee and that full-time employee went on to become his first franchisee and that Rubbish Boys changed the name over to be called 1-800-GOT-JUNK, and I joined them as their COO. Brian has done a very good job franchising it. It's now a $450 million system. And that first employee, Paul Guy, was their very first franchisee. Paul does around 30 or $40 million a year as a franchisee and makes around $10 million a year in profit, like just crushing it. So I've, I've always felt that it's really never whether a business is a good idea or not. It's about whether the team can stay focused and apply the right effort and, and kind of, um, have you guys had to really kind of grind it out and, and how do you get the team to kind of stay focused and really put the effort in?
0: Yeah, that's a good question. It's, uh, there, there's a lot of challenges around that. And funny story though, when I was driving over to this property yesterday evening, I was uh, behind one 800 got jump truck. <laughs> it was coming down Lincoln, right over to the property.
1: That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, it's, it's funny how often people um, kind of see it, they'll, they'll meet me and talk to me and then all of a sudden, one of got junk trucks are everywhere. It's part of the brand. When you're building a business, you know, one of the things to be focusing on is the metrics. And, and one of our COO Alliance members the other day said that they measure the metrics that matter. And I thought that was a really cool phrase. How do you guys decide what metrics matter for inventory and, and what to stay focused on and, and what metrics to, to kind of not get distracted by?
0: Yeah, it's so funny you asked that because our custom dashboard that we've been trying to compile for the last two years has been very, very challenging. In my opinion, one of the, the biggest things we have lacked in clarity is having metrics that we can pull. And it's not out of lack of effort. It's more out of the complexity of getting all the different metrics that we need. Um, so we, we have uh, shifted a bunch of different iterations of what we collect and what we find valuable. Um, and we, we track all those in our company CRM. And some of the things we do are just, I, I guess, if our partners, we, we call all of our clients partners, if they are staying the course, we track all those metrics that they either follow or don't follow in specificity of whatever the marketing strategy that we lay out for that, uh, that partner. If they don't, we're, we're just starting to get more clarity where we can pull all kinds of different reports and take action proactively on that to try to mitigate that churn. Um, we've had, uh, I mean, just through this three year process, um, we've just, we've been tracking personality types, culture index assessments on our partners, you know, all these different metrics where we're getting to the, this better place, if you will, where we can really get that churn down to a respectable number. And, um, it's been painful. That's been one of the biggest challenges that we've had is to collect clear metrics. I definitely 100% agree that having those metrics are so important. Um, I wish we would have had a lot more clarity on that from the get-go, but we've been um, diligently putting those together on a number of different levels over the last two years.
1: Now, One of the things I noticed about, um, about scaling a company, and this really is a tripping point often for entrepreneurial organizations, is most of the first-time managers you know, or early skilled managers their answer to every problem tends to be hire more people. And hiring more people is rarely the actual answer to the problem, right? That as we gain more skill as a leader, we're often able to say no more. We're able to push off certain projects or initiatives based on the ROI. We're able to um, optimize processes versus hiring people to work harder or we automate things. How do you as a company say no And, and how do you balance that with you know, not discouraging employees when they come to you with great ideas. How do you balance the uh, the need to, to say no?
0: Yeah, that's always a challenge in any business, in my opinion. But we are an open book, thankfully. Uh, our I definitely will meet with uh, anybody on the team any um, anytime with ideas. In fact, we highly, highly encourage those. A lot of times those ideas that come in, we've tested, tried. So we're able to have an educated answer. That's the easiest path. If not, um, and it makes sense, we may you know, adopt those changes, but we highly encourage any type of collaboration and creativity to come to our table. But it's, it's definitely always a challenge for, I think, a lot of businesses to find that, that healthy balance and uh, you know, taking any type of uh, response, feedback, creativity from team. Um, I've noticed the the larger that we've got, which is still obviously a tiny company here, but, you know, 50 team members, it's getting to the point now where we're having to layer in more and more processes for, for such feedback.
1: Yeah, one of the things that I did recently, I launched a course two years ago called Invest in Your Leaders, and the purpose of it was to actually help grow those, you know, early, early first-time managers um to kind of grow their skills around things like situational leadership, time management, project management, conflict, you know, coaching, delegation, all the soft skills of leadership that once you've been running companies for 10 or 20 years you tend to get fairly good at or build your own systems or you're maybe you're still kind of doing it the wrong way but you're got some confidence around it. Um how are you growing people who are in their first time management roles? How are you growing their skills and how are you growing their confidence? Do you have systems around that? We do uh, invest in your leaders. Uh, we uh, really?
0: already had uh, one. I'm in the middle of it as well, uh, but we're about to launch that program for all of our directors. Um, yeah, we, we found I got really good feedback from the one director. I had actually go through the whole process and then I'm in about uh, I've done about 30, 40 percent of it so far. It's really great. So we're doing uh, programs like that. Uh, and it's also dependent on the department, like our product department. I found a lot of value in scrum methodology. Uh, So, and I'm actually really good friends with the CEO of scrum. So I sent them all through that program and those are so beneficial to me. It just creates this organization, organizational and operational models that um, you can just see work. So to answer your question, we open up our door for any type of education, depending on the department for further educating them, but also uh, as far as the leadership, invest in your leaders is a perfect program launching pad for them so we every month will take that program in the future and we'll actually have open discussions that focus on each one of those sessions that you're creating so that's kind of what we're going to be implementing um, right after here Um, we've already had it approved agreed um, so we're we're going to use that for our uh, diving board if you will
1: yeah, I know one of our third or fourth year members of the CO Alliance, Lindsay um, from Title Alliance, they've got like 27 of their managers going through the course content now, and that's exactly what they're doing. They have their managers learn it, and then they sit and talk about it for a couple of weeks, and they try it out internally and practice it and use it, and then they go through another couple of modules. And they're using those modules as discussion points and, and growth. I just think that at the end of the day, a leader's core job is to grow people, right? And the more that we grow their skills and grow their confidence, the more they can succeed. So I just did a call this morning with a group of CEOs and a, and a group of COOs, and we were talking a lot about energy and bringing positive energy and fun and you know into the organization. What do you guys do at Venturi to bring in that sense of energy and enthusiasm and excitement? Are you good at that? Are you struggling with it? Where are you as a company with that? I think we're decent at it. I think we're um,
0: we're working towards improving it, though. Uh, it was much easier when we were smaller, you know, 10, 20 people in the company, it was actually quite easy. We would bring in, you know, people, what's the gentleman's name that you had on the, the guest one that, that did some of the fun, the fun games with all of us.
1: Uh, Rob from, from work from jam does a bunch. I know, I know him. There was
0: another one you did that did like impromptu activities.
1: Oh shoot, yeah, he, he was doing stuff. Around, is it Brian or Brian? around improv? I'm bad at name. I don't remember what his name. Is. I am too, but we. I enjoyed that. So we,
0: you know, we do stuff like that once in a while. Uh, just recently, actually, about two months ago, I formed an internal uh, culture committee. So there's some, you know, there's always those one onesie or twosies that will stand out as just they just are amazing with people. So we asked, uh, uh, in this case, Jade, to run up that culture committee. And so they form and meet about uh, every two to four weeks, put together programs, uh, you know, whether it's a team or, or, or whether it's a company-wide or a more departmental uh, game structure. But we definitely focus on those cultural aspects a ton. In fact, that's uh, one of the things that we, we tout probably more than anything at hiring is our culture is, is pretty stellar. And we do focus, but uh, that can get lackadaisical pretty easily. Um, at least stale pretty easily if we don't stay focused on it. So we, we decided to go ahead and form up that, uh, that culture committee and uh, hopefully we'll be able to continue improving and, and growing with that. It's such a key part of our company.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. We, we did a culture committee at 1-800-GOT-JUNK. We called it the It's All About People, so the IAP. What's your culture committee? How does it run? How did you choose who is gonna be on the committee? Who chairs it? Um, do you have any kind of goals and objectives for it overall?
0: Yeah, um, so again, Jay, Wolf on our team is the one who chairs that. And the reason why is she's been with us from day one and she's just got that magnetic personality. It's, it's a, you could tell it's the, it's her to the core in life outside, inside work. She just is all about relationships, culture, biggest smile on her face all the time. So she was kind of where we, where I went to and asked her to run that up and she just runs with it. Uh, She is good about finding games that our company can play Uh, You know, all these different just drills she'll bring in, you know, meditationists, all these different things. And, uh, you know, not everything's a home run, but she definitely pays a lot of attention. And she's just asked um, anybody on the team that's interested to kind of be a part of that meeting. Um, And then they together, um, I let them just run with it. They collaborate, find things to do. And uh, they're just they're really good about doing that. So
1: give them a budget as well.
0: We haven't set any particular budget, but they're usually pretty pretty good about that. Um, but we have not set a budget with a, uh, what do you think we should do a budget-wise?
1: <laughs> well, I love the idea for sure. All right, let's go, let's go back to the 21, 22-year-old Randy. If you were gonna give uh, Randy Bond some advice, what advice would you give yourself back, you know, 21 or 22 that you know to be true today? Man, that's such a good question. And I, I actually think
0: about that a lot. <laughs> if i uh, went back to 21 22 that was when i was starting my first company here in in phoenix uh, we we brought in the hummer tours the the vehicles you know the off-road tours yeah We launched that whole industry back in the 90s if i was to go back then i would teach myself and i spend a lot of time teaching this to my children about finding more focus i i had more all over the board visions. I wanted to chase the shiny thing all the time. Uh, I was, I was notorious for that. So I would, I would definitely find methods to create focus. I would also be much better and I'm pretty good about doing this, but I would focus even more so on creating uh, scalable systems, efficient systems. So I would, I would teach myself, uh, definitely, or teach, you know, if I was go back 21, 22, how to do systems and then, uh, just your core, I would have developed a core subset of tools, uh, EOS being a foundational component or something like that. You know, I, would have, I would have found those. And I, I think with that toolbox, you have such a better chance for success in whatever you do go into.
1: Love it. Randy Bonds, thanks very much for sharing with us on the Second Command Podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you, Cameron. I'm looking forward to seeing you. Appreciate the time.